Hi, this is Craig Fisher here with a special edition of the Cool Tools Show. In June of 2016, I sat down with Richard Selden and Nick Fishman from the company Sterling Talent Solutions, formerly known as Sterling Backcheck, and with Jerry Crispin, who is the godfather of all things candidate experience, to discuss how background checks can affect candidate experience for the talent you're trying to recruit to your organization. We met at the booth of Sterling Talent Solutions at the SHRM Annual Conference, and we start our conversation with Sterling Talent Solutions President and Chief Revenue Officer Richard Selden. Enjoy. President and Chief Revenue Officer of Sterling Talent Solutions. I've been with the company a short 17 years. I've seen us go from one office and 29 employees to become the largest employment screening company in the world with nearly 4,000 employees. And uh, again, thank, thanks for the invitation. I look forward to our chat this afternoon. Thanks, Richard. Hard to follow up on that one. I, I'm Nick Fishman. I'm the Vice President of Communications at Sterling Talent Solutions. I've been with the company for about six months now. Uh, my uh, company, Employee Screen IQ, uh, was acquired by Sterling Talent Solutions uh, at that time. And so um, they have been gracious enough to, uh, to allow me to continue working for them. And uh, we've had fun, uh, had fun so far. Hi there, this is Jerry Crispin. I'm a student of recruiting and have been for uh, all of my career, which has probably gone on for a few years now and again. Um, I love uh, this subject. I love the, you know, the challenge in terms of thinking how we can improve. Uh, I enjoy hanging out with Craig Fisher and thinking about how technology impacts all of this. Uh, I'm obviously a fan of a candidate experience. Um, and, and represent, in effect, the Talent Board, which is a nonprofit focused on collecting data, researching, and sharing information about uh, what makes uh, candidate experience uh, critical in the recruiting process. And I'm part of uh, Career Crossroads, which helps talent acquisition leaders in large companies uh, share practices. So back to you, Craig. So I think a lot about candidate experience on a regular basis. My job is uh, I'm head of employer brand for CA Technologies, which means that I have to have a really good candidate experience in order for me to make a bonus. I think that right having things like that directly tied to money is uh, really good for people inside of big companies because otherwise sometimes candidate experience just sort of you get by on what you've got and you don't think about it too much. Um, so literally built into my compensation is good candidate experience. So, I, and I did that on purpose. I made that part of my own EBRs, if you will, and, uh, and I made that for my whole team. I've got a team of six marketers inside of talent acquisition at the world's sixth largest independent software company, 11,000 people, four and a half billion dollars a year, you bet candidate experience is a big deal to us because we're pushing through two to 3,000 hires a year. And if the process takes too long, if the application is 34 steps, if the background process takes too long and we haven't properly explained it to our candidates, what the outcome could be and what happens if either way things go good or bad, and every other step of the process, communication 
is a major, major key to having a good candidate experience. Because if you have good communication, I think and I've found that it doesn't necessarily matter if your process is very long as long as people understand all along the way what's happening. So, Richard, I want to ask you, what's been your experience in hearing feedback from your customers about how the screening process in particular uh, affects candidate experience? Over the years, we've really seen an evolution um, in what prospective corporations are looking for, not just here in the U.S., but globally as well. At one time, we were measured in large part by turnaround time of the background check, price, and accuracy. And while those three aspects haven't disappeared, the characteristics of what corporations are looking for has only expanded. And in two areas that we've seen it expand um, would be recruiter experience and candidate experience. And today we're going to talk about candidate experience. For those of you who may be wondering some of the other areas, compliance, legal, security, are all amongst the other areas where our industry is focused on as well. But clearly, the candidate experience has really risen to the top. We started to recognize this as we were out in the marketplace, especially talking to enterprise companies who were at least considering making a change in who they were utilizing. And all of a sudden, when we would have our initial meetings, which we generally refer to as discovery meetings, we would begin to leave those meetings and review our notes and, and find out that, sure, price and turnaround time, those are never going to go away. But all of a sudden, the angst and the pain was with the candidates. And what they would generally hear is after the candidate was onboarded and their first day and they went to um, you know, orientation or new employee orientation, they would say to somebody in, in human resources, you know, I got to tell you, the process that I went through with the background check wasn't great. It was really cumbersome. And, you know, they were then comfortable in opening up, if you will, because now they're an employee, albeit the first day of employment. Right. Now they really had something to say. And so what we began to find is that companies really want to streamline this. And they began to realize, and more importantly, we began to realize that we're an extension of the brand. And so if the applicant or the candidate has a positive experience, they'll tell a friend. They'll tell, you know, a companion a spouse that, you know what, this was unbelievably efficient. And so we've really seen the focus on this become that much greater. And, you know, the other thing that I'll say again at the outset, and we'll see, you know, how much more detail uh, makes sense when we, when we all have a chance to chime in initially here, is that the reason that the candidate experience needs to be efficient and well-crafted is because if your process is cumbersome, candidate can get frustrated and try to find a company, you know, let's assume that you're not the only company that they're applying to. So if you're bogged down, someone, another company is going to get through it faster. And you may lose your candidate to a poor candidate experience. So this has really risen very high in the ranks as to what we find important in the marketplace. So you mentioned recruiter experience as well, and I know that's a whole other subject that we might actually get to today. But that's part of the candidate experience, too, I think, because if the recruiter feels good about it, they have a better uh, energy, a better personality towards the candidate. Uh, it is a big deal, right? And, um, you know, probably more of the 
issues and complaints that a background screening company will get is going to come from the recruiter side. Uh, but we do, inside the corporate ranks, hear it from the candidates when, when it is an issue. Um, we found that uh, we're a Sterling Talent Solutions company, uh, and we found that our process is pretty streamlined and fairly effective. But I've got a job this year to literally streamline the entire application and hiring process. Uh, it's a giant project. Uh, there are 30 people working on it, including operations people, uh, HR business partners, etc. We're looking at the application process and everything else to see what steps we can remove from that process. So, Nick, you've been in this business a really long time. What steps can safely be removed? And we're talking about compliance and everything else that has to happen in the U.S. at least. Tell me what you think. So, as it relates to things that can be removed, at least from the recruiter standpoint and, 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 and be shifted to the candidate, are things like allowing candidates to fill in their own information, make sure the information is accurate and up to date. A lot of things can get lost in translation uh, when you have somebody typing in one thing and then you have somebody trying to key something in um, another thing. And so um, disjointed systems sometimes can be a little bit inefficient. Um, the other thing that I think um, is really helpful to keep in mind and something that we have a very clear focus on now with our merger with TalentWise is the whole onboarding um, step. So it's not just the background screening, but it's also making sure that candidates feel welcome the day that they start and that they're productive the day that they start. That's also going to become a major priority for us going forward. Um, I also just want to take a step back to what Richard was saying, and I think everything that, uh, that, that he said was correct. Um, for employers, though, it's so important to recognize the fact that candidates generally, it's a scary process for b doing a background stressful, check. Right? It, it is. Even when you have nothing to hide or you don't think you have something to hide, people have this misperception that a background check equals bad. Um, and, and so it's really incumbent upon companies like us to help recruiters have those conversations with candidates to prepare them. This is what we do. This is what we're looking for. This is how long you can expect it to take place. And then for the background screening provider to then be communicative with the candidate and or the recruiter about um, the things that you're doing along the way. In other words, if a background check is taking too long, to be able to go back to the client and let them know why it's taking too long so that they can prepare their candidate and their candidate doesn't run for the hills if they think something's taking too long. So, um, you know, when you, when you talk about what are the things that you can remove, um, I guess you can, from a background screening standpoint, you could remove um, barriers to getting candidate information entered in. You can remove barriers when a candidate has to update particular pieces of information. Um, that's what I would focus on. So unfortunately, you can't change the process of getting a university to actually get back to you in a timely manner. You can't change the time it takes for different states to actually turn around their information. New Hampshire, I hear, is very long. <laughs> but New York's only a couple of days because they've got the infrastructure for it. So, Jerry, you've got a lot of information on what you see across many companies, candidates, um, giving us survey feedback about what they expect in the process and what makes for a good experience for them. Tell me a little bit about what you've heard. Well, when I listen to to you, Craig, and to Rich and Nick, you know, I hear all of the little pieces that are actually impinging on, on how candidates rate you. If you look at candidate experience, 
I look at it from an operational point of view. What can I measure? Well, I can measure the way they're going to rate you both individually as you go through a process that starts when they start researching you all the way through the onboarding process. Now, a lot of the background checking does take place further in. Um, it would be kind of silly for every, every single person to, who applies, uh, although there may be examples and useful situations to do that, but typically it's towards the end of the process. But the, but the reality is that there are five factors that we're increasingly seeing uh, correlate highly to how you're going to get rated. And you all spoke about each one of them. You mentioned it when you first said, I put this into my job description that I'm responsible for this. When, when accountability is a part of the candidate experience that you hold yourself and your recruiters accountable, you're going to be rated higher by candidates. It's about as simple a, a scientific principle as one could, could get to, and that is, you know, you get what you measure. Um, and so it becomes a critical issue. When you set expectations for candidates, you will, in fact, be rated higher, period. And, and it's, uh, some of those are second only to one aspect. I'll get to that in a second. When you listen to candidates, when you actually are asking them to respond and engage, as Rich, as you talked about, towards the end, they come on board and they finally have the guts to say, this didn't work for me, or I was really ticked, um, and, and in fact, I, didn't, I thought that you were going to get me and I wasn't going to get hired. Um, now that I got hired, I, I can see more you know, what the importance of that is, but I wish I knew it then. Um, and so, so listening skills and how you demonstrate them become a critical issue. Um, the other one that is most crucial and does have a little subtlety to it is the perception on the part of the candidate that the process is fair. And so it's not just setting expectations, but helping the candidate to understand that this, this is an important process that helps everyone um, in terms of engaging, uh, doing something in a fair way, and that they'll be treated through the process, including how the information is shared out um, in a positive way. And the other, the other thing that I, I wanted to mention that I was listening, as I was listening to you is that um, I see applications shifting now, and, and I would think the background check kind of information can shift as well in terms of collecting only the information you need now to get to the next stage, and then at the next stage you're going to collect a little bit more information, right? So the, the ability to not hold somebody up and say, you know, take two and a half hours to take an assessment, then the background check data, then this and then that, you know, and you're here for four hours, you get abandonment like crazy, and if they're using a mobile device, we know they're getting abandonment right after 15 minutes. They're done. So I find, I find this whole area fascinating, and I think the biggest difference between what we're trying to do, we now have 300 companies participating this year. We'll collect probably close to 300,000 completed surveys from candidates from those companies, and that's on top of a half million candidate surveys that we've collected over the last four or five years. And so we're able now to look year after year about the trends that are that's taking place and how people are, in fact, um, uh, rating you as, a, as an employer and, and those parts that you might be able to change and engage in. So I, I think we're getting to a point where we can be a little bit more data-driven 
and that data can be helpful in terms of companies that are trying to improve their processes like Sterling Talent Solutions. So what Jerry is alluding to is what we refer to as a two-step apply process. So in that first step, a little bit of data is given, a little bit of information from the candidate, and then they're in your system, if you will, probably in your CRM at that point. And then if it looks like they are going to be a worthy candidate, then they would move on to the second part, right? Through some automated process or hopefully through a human interaction to say, hey, all right, thank you, this is great. You look like a really good fit for this, maybe this and this. Please complete the rest of this data, and we're moving on in the process. Maybe a, ro a robot that looks like a human. Could be a robot that looks like a human. So, Rich, have you seen this become a trend? Well, just, you know, I, I just want to be specific about something because I think we're, we're I think what we're talking about here is the point in time when there is the next step in the process. If somebody is first an applicant, it's called the candidate, let's stick with that word, um, and then if there is an offer, and only if there is an offer, then the background check process is triggered. So the best practice um, terminology is post-offer so that's the terminology, post-offer, pre-hire. Why? Because certainly post-offer, um, no one's going to be asking for a Social Security number and nobody's going to be requesting a DOB. However, that's right, unless they're looking to get into hot water quick. However, um, once the offer is made um, and accepted, contingent upon successful completion of the background check. Again, you know, some of these words are indelibly emblazoned in my head. Um, so, uh, again, um, the background check is done post-offer pre-hire, and if the person accepts, it's contingent upon successful completion of the background check and or drug test, if they do, if they do drug testing. Then the question is, so now what do I need that I didn't have before to do the background check? I have your name. I have your current address that, that was supplied by the candidate anyway. Um, you've told me where you've worked. You've told me where you've gone to school. I have all that. But for us to now do our work here at Sterling Testing Solutions, yes, we need a DOB. And yes, we need a Social Security number. So, you know, those triggers take place. And then we're kind of off to the races. Yeah. So that's, that's. And that's the way you operate, Rich. <laughs> Richard, but, but I have to tell you that there are plenty of corporations throughout the United States who don't operate that way. And, and obviously you compete successfully as you help educate that they do not have to operate that way. But there are major companies that as part of their application still require information that actually should be taken much later in the process, like Social Security now. Yes. And, and the point is, that, that affects the candidate experience. So, so your, your practice, your process is being organized in a way that is going to enhance and make more efficient not only capturing that data, but also helping them understand that this is the appropriate time to collect that damn data. <laughs> Well, you know, again, we're, begin you know, we're beginning to um, touch upon another aspect of what's going on in our industry, and that's, you know, how much more of a litigious industry um, employment screening has become, 
which could be a whole nother session, and then some. So, um, you know, there's a lot to it. It's become a somewhat complicated and complex industry. Um, at one time, I would say it was simplistic, but as we're sitting here in mid-2016, it's no longer a simplistic industry anymore. Yeah, so I'll agree. It is becoming more complicated, and I think, Jerry, you're right. I do see a lot of companies collecting that PII information right up front where that's really against the law, right? I mean, you're not supposed to do that. Um, I don't know. Is it against the law? I, I, you know, my guess is, well, my guess it, is it, it's not against the law, but it's wrong. I mean, the reality is um, scam artists make an effort to actually find some mechanism to get somebody's um, social security number. Yeah. Um, and, and so why would a, an employer who replicates that approach is going to give a lots of red flags to the candidates themselves and that perception of a lack of fairness. So the more professional organizations really uh, have an opportunity to stand out and I think um, should dominate at this point. So, Rich, what does the law say? Well, you certainly should not be, you know, collecting um, certain... All right, so that's it from SHRM 16. We'll see you next time. Thank you.